The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Civil Politics here on WXOJ, Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM here in Northampton. I am Stefan Ward-Wheaton, interim moderator, uh, sometimes interloper and occasional executive producer, and I'm here (laughs) with stalwart Sue Timberlake. (laughs) Reliable. Reliable. Okay. Uh, We'll we'll go that way. Just like a Toyota, right? (laughs) (laughs) Always starts in the coals. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I'm always here, uh, I think. (laughs) Yeah, you may have the best attendance record of us all. Yeah. Um, And Mr. Mike Dow is out uh, for the next couple weeks, so you get to... Is he? He's like... Uh, we won't say where he's. He's. Yeah, uh, yeah. He may. You may see him in a local phone booth if those things still exist. Uh, <laughs> but um, try not to. Try not to stop him. He'll be very busy. Uh, <laughs> but in the meantime, you get to enjoy a couple more slightly uh, intimate shows here with the the reduced cast, um, and we've got a lot of stuff to uh, talk about this week. But first, we. Uh, need to remind you of our social media empire. Uh, You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. And on Twitter, we are Twitter uh, at civilpoliticsfm. And uh, also you can go to our website, civilpoliticsradio.com, where you can find classic episodes and uh, sort of a running archive of all of our old shows. And if you want to email us uh, for any perverse reason, you can find us civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org. So send your uh, hate mail, fan mail, anything in between to civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org. Fan art. Fan, <laughs> oh, fan art would be lovely, actually. Um, Some 34. <laughs> <laughs> That's for the bonus show. Um, but we uh, we uh, will also be posting links on Facebook and Twitter. The inimitable Dr. Roberts is, of course, here with us and uh, will be heading up our um, our public facing presence, as you, as we say. So. Uh, yeah. Sue, where do you want to start? We've got a whole grab bag this <laughs> oh, week. Oh, boy. I was trying to think of a theme that kind of tied together what we're all struggling with. <laughs> and as I listened, listened to the competing speeches on C-SPAN this week, you know, Nancy Pelosi speaking to the um, uh, Council of Mayors, right. I think it is today, this morning, actually at breakfast, um, to the closing speech at Dav- Davos by um, President Trump, um, just... How do, you, how do you decide what you believe? And I just, right. when I go through it, any particular thing, like I thought there was a fake news story on CNN. Um, we don't usually use that word fake here, but I'm just trying to say that I looked at it and I really wasn't sure because it was the only place I saw it. And um, it was a story about uh, the, the Trump White House wanting to borrow artwork from the Guggenheim and what they substituted instead, which I'll just leave it at that. Oh, yes. But I didn't quite believe the story. It just seemed too... Sensationalist? Yeah, or, just yeah. Um, mean-spirited and, you know, off. Mm-hmm. And I just can't imagine the Guggenheim Would like respond that. that way. Yeah. These are these are strange times. There's yeah. a... There's a um, uh, there's a sort of uh, 
principle of internet culture called Poe's Law, which states that um, at a certain point, you lose the ability to be able to determine, uh, to tell the difference between an 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 argument presented as satire and the real article and the genuine thing, a, a genuinely serious argument, if if the context is absurd enough. And I think we're sort of appro- approaching Poe's Law event horizon There's in no, reality. There's no touch points where you can like verify or you try right. to verify or. That's interesting. I listen to, um, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit, but on the same topic, you know, there's sort of the interpersonal, do I, do I trust this person, you know, sort of in a, in a relationship or to, you know, to do as they said they were going to do, to sort of the local um, arena, you know, sort of the mm-hmm. more social, and then the, the local po- political, and then the national political, and then do you trust Iran not to be doing you know, fill in the blank, just as Turkey doesn't necessarily trust us right, right now to be working with the Kurds in Syria and sort of how you how you figure that out. So I have a little example. Maybe I can just share it with you. Yeah, um, I heard um, uh, Dr. Fauci talking. He's on the, in the CDC mm. and he was basically talking about the flu vaccine. And I'm just going to say two statements and maybe we can talk about how you decide which one's true or maybe they're both true but he said that the current flu vaccine is only 30 percent effective 30 percent okay and that's pretty low but it's not bad usually it's 60 percent but it's been really low lately the same um same kind of caliber of person i heard from the cdc about two weeks ago and she was saying that it's actually 10 percent effective. Oh. Now those are two very very different numbers. Right. And one is uh, Fauci who's the head of I think the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and the CDC person was like more senior than him. Mm. And so I'm going to add one more little piece to what she said. And I I I do this because here's two experts speaking with authority, two very different numbers. Mm. And what she said was it is effective only, 10% effective against this strain. He did not say against this strain. So he intentionally was talking about all the flus that are out there. Right. Instead of the more inflammatory. The the H3N2. That's the problem. That's, That's, you know, killing children a little bit, not, you know, not in hordes but right. is surprisingly killing young mothers and you know it's it's killing healthy people which is the real shocker and it's really fast that it's becoming you know prevalent throughout the the nation but those two examples are sort of why i think everybody is struggling with they don't have the, the dependent clause <laughs> you right. know they don't have the piece of that i don't know what you do with that that's a very i think that's a very astute um now, these were both public statements, right? They're both okay. public statements. They were, you know, speaking to what people should do about the flu. They were, you know, basically out communicating from government. Huh, interesting. And two very different statements. Yeah, the, I mean, just from the specificity of the latter versus the former, the former sounds more like PR, I guess, is what you you might say. Although neither of them are good if <laughs> compared to the benchmark of 60% effectiveness. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's some damage control going on, but I mean, that's... <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. I've been seeing a lot of uh, people comparing this to the 1918 flu pandemic, which yeah. is, I think, 
uh, a little hyperbolic to do it. Oh, beyond hyperbolic, yeah. State, but you know, you know, we've. I mean, we've also. I think there's an element, another sort of overarching element of this issue you're talking about, which is that we've we've all sort of been preloaded with news from it seems like the last 15 20 years about the super bugs right oh they're they're, coming they're coming they're always (laughs) telling us you know the next one's going to be this the next virus is going to be the big one yeah and so when and they thought swine flu and then they thought uh, avian flu right and they did they they were very concerned and you can see it i mean there's a whole science epidemiology of how you determine that that's very close to happening. That's why they watch it so closely. Right. I mean, all the earmarkers are there. Um, Actually, Fauci said, Dr. Fauci said something really interesting, which I did not know, which is, I know they prepare the um, vaccines and eggs, but what he was saying is that um, when you inoculate the egg, the uh, virus begins to mutate Mm. the very section that we use for immunity. And so that actually the process of using an egg to, to create the vaccine, you know, to, to multiply it, um, is creating um, the mutations that cause it to be less effective. So oh. they inoculated the beginning, you know, in the spring for the next year because they've picked out the strains they're going to um, make immunity for. And, um, and that description was very interesting because that makes it really hard to, to get the right, right strain. In fact, you're, you know, you're dealing... Drawing, was it trying to draw inside straight in poker? You just never right. do that. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Um, so interesting, but I, I didn't mean to digress the vaccines because I have obviously some strong opinions on that. Actually, I just wanted to add something in on uh, if anybody's following um, Facebook or uh, or Twitter, um, just look for civil references. I'm posting this right now. Uh, there was a a story on Nevada Public Radio about how the flu season. Uh, is hitting baby boomers unusually hard mm. because it's just a combination of the flu viri- viri- that are viruses viri- <laughs> viruses vi- vi- things, virus. things <laughs> sick things things that make you sick um, and uh, neither living nor dead but um, they <laughs> <God>. <laughs> yeah that's right so uh, that it's it's hitting um, people like of that age group, um, unusually hard uh, because of many different factors. But I'm posting that right now. I thought nice. it was very interesting. Yeah, and it is sort of the the process. We went through a process with the news groups here that we put up on our. I know um, Johnner created that search engine. So if you wanted to look up a news story, you could see if it was in our trusted news groups. Right. But you know, how do you even come up with that? Sometimes even the ones we like are. Yeah. They they forget to report that you know little in this in this strain mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the little disclaimer that really explains why the number is different. So well, that's why it's important to have um, you know a journalistic cohort that understands these things at a granular level, and that is one thing that's getting abraded by the sort of breakdown of the traditional news apparatus, and you know and this kind of murky uh, you know sort of internet journalism model. Oh, you're having people it. report on things that they really don't know what to yeah. ask exactly to really clear that up or to... Right. It takes a certain, you know, because just that distinction you made about which strain versus an overall effectiveness rate, yeah. that's something that would just fly over the average layperson's head. If I, I hadn't heard him back to back, I wouldn't have gone, let me listen to that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, what, what did they actually well, say? Also, <laughs> just from those three numbers... It suggests that even if 
the strain, even if the other strains are being treated at a 60% effectiveness rate as per usual, if you have a 10% one for the, the main strain of concern, that's going to drive down the average yeah. to something like 30%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so that may just be the average, but the actual effectiveness of the other one, I get it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and but again, we don't know. That's speculation on my part, but that seems to be something that could account for those two different numbers. Yeah. Um, and which number do you want to know? I mean, that's what I struggle with is which number – why am I asking for the number, and what do I want to know, and why? You know, what, which one is important to me? What am I trying to do with it? And that leads to sort of the second question, which is, you know, the facts are different, but they're different for good reason. But what's the, what? Why are you asking it? You know, right? And I struggle with that sometimes because I'm, you know, like with the story of the Guggenheim. I mean, it was sort of funny, mm-hmm. <laughs> but. You know, I don't. It, it's probably true. Stacy was saying she thought it was true before the show. Um, you know that it was right. verified and all that. Um, I actually found a, uh, the Washington Post has a copy of the letter that was sent. Oh, there you go. Um, and I put that on the on, yeah. under hashtag civil references as well. Well, if you're curious, you might want to go online and see what the Guggenheim yeah. offered the Trump. <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> in, leave that as the, as the off-air teaser yeah. for our site. It was 18 there. carat. You'll know you okay. found it when you discover it's 18 carat gold. So. <laughs> 18 carat orange. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think I think that there's, you know, they say there lies, damn lies in statistics because of the the way that you can sort of massage numbers to tell even diametrically opposed stories if you frame it right. Well, that's what debaters do, right? They say, right. yeah, you may say it's three, but here's why it's three, you know, or whatever. Right. The, they're really good at taking it apart. And that's why it's important to have the ar- an arbiter who can, you know, call balls and strikes, essentially, yeah. at least in theory. Um, and yeah, but we're losing that in part because we're losing a common framework of, of information. You know, it's we're we are becoming balkanized as a society into groups of people who are sort of culturally um, and informationally alike. And that I think is, you know, and that inc- that also uh, sort of makes it more difficult to stand back and not take a position because in a highly politicized environment, I mean, this is the CDC we're talking about, which is probably one of the most what trusted, yep. you know, government and institutions we have left. About what they put out, right? Um, yep. Yeah, they're very they're very circumspect. Um, but if it was, I mean, if it was a more politicized agency, y- you know, people would be crawling all over it, looking yeah. for holes and and immediately constructing narratives. I mean, that's the constructed narrative part. That's yeah. the yeah, that's the part. I'm really good at that, actually. It's called <laughs> pre, pre, prejudicial. Or yeah, whatever. well, confirmation. Well, confirmation <laughs> bias is one element of it, but in terms of trying, you know, um, approaching with a worldview and then arranging what you see in order to fit that worldview. I mean, it's something you get we rid all of the do. bad data, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The you know, you just kind of. Uh, expunge it a little bit from your mind, but a really famous one is the Harvard University study on hearing when only men went to Harvard, mm. and um, they showed the human hearing range as a certain range, and then they started testing a few of the secretaries just you know for and right. they just threw the data out because clearly it wasn't, <laughs> and it turns out women and men have different hearing ranges they just do, and yeah yeah it, it, women, women were, ed, uh, this is sort of off topic and we're kind of. Uh, <laughs> impinging on Stacy's turf so please don't hurt us <laughs> Stacy but uh, 
uh, something like ten percent of women have an extra cone in their eyes oh, that allows see them to see. Yeah, another yellow. Th- yeah, another yellow. I think it goes up into like infrared, or so. yeah. I mean, it it sort of changes what we think of as the limits of human vision. That's so. how they can see the baby in the car and rip the door off. Uh, if you ever heard those stories where women have super <laughs> the strength, the adrenaline rush. <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah, it's really incredible what the human body can do in yeah. in like under the right or wrong conditions. If but. you've ever been in a psychiatric hospital, people are really strong when they're yeah. highly motivated and they have no you, yeah, inhibitions. None yeah. at all. Yeah, it's really um, remarkable the things that people can do, rip off door handles. and I mean, they actually can. So. Right, yeah. Lift cars up, yeah. I was going to stay on a personal one a little bit. Um, sure. Stan, Stan Rosenberg just took out papers today. Yeah, to run for re-election. As yeah, so Senate. he's going to stay a senator, probably. Even despite his... Sorry, I just wanted to interrupt before we moved on to another topic. Uh, you mentioned our new search. Um, if you go to civilpoliticsradio.com uh, and just click uh, Trusted News Search, either at the top of the page or on the side, then it'll bring you to a uh, special Google search that uh, we've built uh, that just includes news resources that we on the show use to, uh, to and verify agreed information. And to, too, across the board. And we, yeah, we, yes, had to, we threw a few off that one liked or another didn't. Exactly. Yeah. We we collaborated collaborated as a, as a panel in the show to make sure we had this list of um, different news sources that, that we trust and that we, we usually go to to verify information. So if you go to that to that news source, uh, to that news search, then you'll just be searching on the sites that, that we check personally. Indeed. And we don't get any money or anything for that. <laughs> no kickbacks. <laughs> we Not just yet. did it as a, actually genre did all the work, but as a, as a, we thought it, at the time we thought it was really, uh, <laughs> that was last year, I think, yeah. when we first did that. You're almost naive. <laughs> yeah. 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 Little did we know. <laughs> so here's the question. Here's the trust question. Mm. Um, do you trust that he wasn't involved in his husband's mm. behavior? Do you think he should trust his husband? You know, all those questions <sighs> right. that we have no right to even ask. But since you're going to end up voting for him or not. Yeah, you're going to uh, end up asking them. Yeah. You think he could control him? I remember when he first got elected that his husband was mis, um, misstating stuff and he had to kind of reel him in. Yeah. That was like that before he, you know, right before he actually went went to. I mean, my, well, who knows what's going to actually happen. But yeah. my, my sense of what the best way to proceed if I were Stan Rosenberg or somebody in his campaign team would basically be to, you know, you got to keep this guy on a tight leash, the husband. Yeah. I mean, and really keep him in the background and just try to, you know, add it they to the extent. They got divorced. <laughs> Have so. they filed? Yeah. Have they, is it official, though? Because yeah. I, I saw rumblings Separated. about that, but yeah. I thought they might kind of keep it aside. I'll double check, but I believe they that he's well uh, the the I heard him on the news he said that he's uh, we're going to try to get him help but we've we're we're not together okay. so oh, okay. um he's he's cut ties with him yeah oh, well, but he does need yeah. help like I think he's he needs addiction help yeah. um with the drinking but he yeah they're they're split yeah well I, I mean sadly that does make sense and yeah. I mean I guess that still leaves your question to be addressed, Sue, which is what did Stan Rosenberg know and how much knowledge did he have back when they were together? Yeah, but. and and does it matter to the to the Senate? Mm-hmm. I mean, that stuff mattered to the Senate, but does Stan Rosenberg's judgment mm-hmm. matter in that arena? Because it's a very different arena than right. 
Well, I, this is the issue with nuance is that people's personal lives can be very ungovernable even when they are consummately professional in their public lives. And sometimes that happens with the, you know, I mean, that, I think that contradiction is more common than we think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also you don't choose who you love and sometimes that gets you into trouble. And I mean, and I have no, I don't know, I only know what I read on the news, so yeah. I don't know what goes on behind closed doors or, or yeah. what might have happened. But um, I mean, I certainly don't think that, that, that sh- you know, his husband's action, his former husband's actions should be um, the, a barrier to his running for reelection. Um, but, you know, it will be interesting to see how he, it'll be interesting to see how he approaches issues like this. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, because the Senate has to change its rules so that you don't have to get, like, all this um, counseling before and there's not slush funds to pay for it and all that stuff. Um, actually, oh, in for the Rosenberg? State, well, or actually, uh, no, I meant for the um, co- uh, Massachusetts Congress. They have all okay. these funky rules that they need to fix. And, you know, uh, they yeah. agreed to do training, you know, all that stuff. But um, And I'm mixing it up a little bit with Washington, D.C. But the Commonwealth of Massachusetts has some issues in their state house as well we do <laughs> shocking you well can, you and should say yeah. but but you know all that stuff that has to be you know shepherded right through right. and you know it's a matter of trust whether people trust that he's the fellow that can do it i guess is well and he seemed to i felt like his can't as a public, of, you know, his sort of presentation was as somebody who was kind of, he, he was from the western part of the state, he's from Amherst, he's not from Boston, he sort of stood outside a little bit of the traditional Senate, you know, inner circle. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, he can, he may still be able to make that case. I mean, certainly he's got a lot of support out here. Yeah. I, th- I think, I mean, he's, if he runs for election and he's, I guess now running. He'll be a senator still, yeah. I think he will still Maybe be a senator. Maybe not Senate but president, that's the question, too. Right. All I can find is that he um, they separated. separated, so I don't know okay. if they've actually officially the divorced. Papers. Wouldn't surprise me, but well, still. Yeah. And they might be waiting, too, to keep it out of the news cycle yeah. until a more convenient time, which is common tactic. Well, and sometimes when you have a partner with a drug or alcohol problem, it's sort of like you wait and see how they go through right. um, rehab and... I'm thinking of, I was reading a piece about Michael Dukakis recently. Oh, yeah, with Kitty Dukakis. He, she Kitty. had wicked, I think it was alcohol and um, benzodiazepines yes. or something. I forget. Eventually, I think, went through electroshock therapy. Did she? As yeah. they call it at the time. Yeah. Um, Talk about barbaric. But, but, yeah, really. But this this was a more recent piece because he's still quite active um, uh, pushing for uh, transportation reform yeah. in the kind of metro Boston area and trying to modernize the transportation system, which desperately needs it. And he, you know, but he had, he and uh, Kitty Dukakis kind of had some words about that. It's sort of like what it's like trying to uh, walk the tightrope of being a public figure, but also having these private demons and what happens when the two, you know, when the yeah. two streams collide and the public learns about your private demons and how, how you have to manage that public perception of yourself while still trying to heal. Yeah. And it, you know, and I think it's just incredibly difficult, especially when the public is, wants to take you down a yeah. peg, which. There's always yeah. haters. <laughs> always, yeah, always haters. But I'm, I'm thinking too about the trust issue in that um, out here in the, um, the valley, 
most every employer drug screens at this point. I was talking to mm. somebody about it in HR, and uh, they have to because it's so prevalent. And right. when you hear that, you think, oh my goodness, that's how prevalent it is. And then what do you do when you get an employee who has an alcohol or drug problem? There's all these rules about what you can do, what you can't do, but how do you trust them hmm. Right. when they've gone rogue and stolen drugs at work or, you know, Right. How do you how do you handle that? So I'm sort of taking the trust from the very interpersonal to the, you know, the mm. em, the employment. Well, also part of the issue is that our uh, enforcement of drug and alcohol, well, especially drug laws, has been very, uh, you know, has been motivated more, I think, by the desire to control people than actually mitigate harm or help people. So part of, and, and I'm curious, I'd sort of be curious to hear about whether or not, one thing, whether or not they're screening for cannabis because cannabis is gonna be legal, that's gonna present some contradictions. And it's, it's a metabolism that stays in your body for I think 30 days? Yeah, it stays in quite, for quite a while. The, 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 uh, that's the, the issue, is that because obviously, if the last time you, you consumed cannabis was like three, four weeks ago, that's not, you're not, you're sober, if yeah. That, you know, but it still shows up. There's in your evidence system. that you, yeah. It's very, it's it's going to be an interesting um, thing, and I, yeah. I was hoping that maybe we could talk sort of national and then international too, just sort of. Oh yeah. Get, on this same stream of, how do you? <laughs> right. How do you parse out what the truth seems to be, versus what you are being told, and. And yeah. I look for data. I look for things when I come to the show that sort of support my positions. And I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, should I really pick that out and bring that tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what Stefan will bring to the show. <laughs> Nothing. No. <laughs> well, I'll never... I, I'll never... <laughs> I'll never... You get nothing. <laughs> Good day, sir. I'll never forget the yes. day when we were talking about whether um, Trump's, it was early on, and whether Trump's supporters were racist or not. Mm -hmm. And you, you bring out that piece of data, which I've mentioned before because I was so impressed by it, um, that a lot of Obama supporters actually voted for Trump. You right, know, yeah. A, a, a chunk of them. And sort of what were they, who are they? What were they thinking? And what are our presumptions? Right. Because that is such a dissonant piece of data. And what has changed to make that that switch possible that's because yeah. that is almost as as interesting as it is to think about why individual people make their decisions i also you know i'm a structuralist i am always thinking about what are the conditions that create the choices that we make because the choices that we make are always informed by the institutions the circumstances that surround us what we can do what we can't do um, what we feel empowered to do and you know how we feel disempowered by the power structures in our lives. So that's like, that. that's kind of why I'm sort of interested in poli po political analysis that dives underneath th the surface and, and looks at kind of what is tectonically moving in ways that people are responding to, even if they don't know they're responding to yeah. it. Because especially in our current system, people make complex decisions for very imprecise psychological emotional reasons that are tied in with like what they believe and what they know or think they know but it's like an iceberg there's a whole chunk of it that's under the water that you don't see but is bi arguably bigger than what's coming towards you up on the surface and 
that I think, you know, keeping the whole human in mind, even as you're analyzing people who you, or, or looking at groups of people who you might disagree with or might not understand, that I think is, it's key. It's keeping that sort of distance is, helps to, you know, it helps to get rid of that kind of black and white partisan sort of us and them thinking, which is, it's so easy for us to do. We all do it, you know, it's, Constantly. we're all being encouraged to do it by our media and our politics. You know, people want us to take sides, both for their own benefit and to try to achieve a goal, a political goal. So uh, we are coming up on the half of the hour and, pr and in a couple, in a few seconds, we are going to, um, you know, go to T some take PSAs, that break. but <laughs> take that break. But I th I'm really, I'm really enjoying this kind of uh, topic of discussion because I think it really hits at a lot of deep kind of sort of deep truths or, and deep untruths that we, uh, we deal with on yeah. a daily basis. I'm blown away by my ignorance, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you, if it's you Friday are, night. <laughs> if you are, then I'm, I'm in, I'm in rough shape over here, but... Um, but we are, we, as I said, we do have uh, some PSAs and uh, station announcements to play, so let's get through those, and we'll come back in a couple minutes. This is Civil Politics on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, WXOJ in Northampton. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in a bit. Classical music on Valley Free Radio. Tune in to Andy Musique, Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. for an hour of beautiful music to start your day. Hosted by Lucy and Larry. This is Andrew Farris of NXS. Hi, this is David Santos with Eddie Japan. Hi, this is Midgeoff Multiple. This is Charlie Crisis, Eddie Lundzen. Hi, I'm John Waters. Hello, this is Mary Gold of Alphaville. Hello, this is Daniel Ash from Bath House, turns on Bell and Love and Rocket. And my name is Wendy, host of Subculture, a music program featuring new wave, electronic, indie, and funk music. You can catch my show every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. But if you miss out, no worries. The Lily Library is filled with adventure and wonder for kids and adults of all ages. Lily Library in downtown Florence lends books and movies to everyone. They offer free parking, free Wi-Fi, and two-hour sessions on internet-connected computers. They also offer extensive programs for children, including story hours, clubs, and activities for teens, as well as adult programs. The library is open Tuesday and Thursday evenings, Saturdays and Sundays. Find out more at lilylibrary.org. Sundays at 10 a.m., WXOJ's radio show, Occupy the Airwaves, has the latest news from the occupation movement, locally, regionally, nationally, and around the planet. Tune in at 103.3 FM or webcasting at www.valleyfreeradio.org. Blogging at occupytheairwaves.wordpress.com. Listeners can call into the show at 413-585-1033. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical courses off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps do not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. Did you know there is a CSA from which you can get locally brewed beer shares? Or that there is a delivery service that can bring produce from local farms to your door every week? 
Farm to Fork is a radio program dedicated to revealing the history of the food system in the Pioneer Valley and exploring the bounty the valley has to offer. The program tackles the complex issues surrounding food, drink, and every kind of nutrient with their individual production schemes and consumer markets. These topics and more Tuesdays at 7 p.m. on Farm to Fork, Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, WXOJLP, Northampton. You are listening to Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM. I'm Mayor David Narkowitz, and I support Northampton's community radio station. Hello, folks. This is uh, Civil Politics. If you're just tuning in, uh, you're joining us on Civil Politics, WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, and it is Civil Politics. And I am <laughs> I am Stefan Ward-Wheaton. Can you tell us what the name of the program is, though? <laughs> um, I'm Stefan Ward-Wheaton, interim moderator, sitting in for Michael Dow. And it is Friday night. Oh, it is my. Friday night. My brain is fried. But we're still here to talk about all the issues of the day. Um, and Sue Timberlake is here with me, as well as John Roberts. Um, and I guess I'll just give the plugs again for our social media. If you want to reach out to us, you can e- I'll go in backwards this time. You can email <laughs> us at civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org. Um, on Facebook, you can find us facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. Twitter, we are at civilpoliticsfm. And you can go to our blog where we have archives of previously released episodes, civilpoliticsradio.com. Oh, yes. And um, on we are posting, or Mr. Roberts is posting, live during the show on our Facebook and Twitter. You can search for the hashtag civil references to uh, find the links and other supporting materials that we'll put out to kind of explain more what we're talking about. So we've been kind of covering, we, we've talked sort of, uh, we spent the first half of the show talking <laughs> political philosophy, basically. But we do have actual news, which is that uh, Ms., uh, President Trump has released his immigration sort of plan yeah. or immigration fix that he, you know, this was a big issue that he ran on in the prime, Republican primary as well as the general election. And this is kind of immigration's been a hobby horse of his for a while, so this is you know there's a lot riding on this for him. And I he would put say. out a, an outline, I guess, of a plan. I only saw right. what Reuters wrote about it. I I was looking for the plan. I I didn't actually find a document, but I don't know if it's a was outlined by a speech or what. I'm seeing the New York Times uh, put out a day or two ago a kind of overview of the plan and apparently it does provide a path to citizenship for close to two million young undocumented uh, young undocumented immigrants which would basically be the DACA uh, group and although but I should point out that's a much smaller pool than the total yeah than the total group uh, which is something I isn't the total number of uh, DACA people like um, the ones that signed up are seven seven hundred thousand that actually oh, right. signed the papers. And he's expanding it um, to people who didn't sign up, which Dream, is uh, interesting. Dreamers total three point six million. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Yeah, I, people I that are in the three point six. So my question before people heard that fact was: mm-hmm. Would you have signed up <laughs> on the list if right. you were in their position or not? Because a lot of people didn't. 
And do yeah. you trust, you might have trusted Obama. Right. But do you trust, you know, did you trust the, the system? And um, it looks like if Trump gets his way, that actually it will be expanded to people who didn't actually sign up. Yeah. With a path to citizenship in 10 or 12 years, if it lasts. I mean, it survives right. Congress. Yeah, so. this is, um, that's a good question. Would, because that it's really, it's like, um, you know, you're basically gambling on, by signing up, you are gambling on the future. It is, you know, it's, effect, it, it's effectively like, um, you know, like buying futures. You know, it's could it's, go it, either way. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Except you're gambling with your livelihood and <laughs> and your citizenship. Well, I can tell you so. what a Republican would do. Okay. Because every time they try and make um, registration of guns, us Republicans always go, "We are not putting our name on any list because someday they'll come and confiscate right. them." So, the Republican mm. position is. No one, no one will put their name on a list until they know what the outcome is. Right. So it's right. interesting because the Democrats, a lot of people did did put their names. Well, I think there was a list. push to put the names on the list because they wanted to grow the to pool. make sure that it would prevent. You know, right. It's like throwing the steering wheel out of the truck on the, when you're playing um, chicken. You <laughs> exactly. know, they they wanted to make it. Unfortunately, it was with these kiddos' lives. Right. But they wanted to make it so hard for it to turn back politically, and that's that's a gamble. It's sort of like when you march in the street and you're getting beaten up. Right. And people stop coming out because people are getting beaten up. It's like no, no, we want so many they can't beat us up. Right. Yeah. That's. Yeah, that that kind of mobilization it really requires unity, you know, and it, re- it requires a shared purpose. And it's amazing that that many signed up. I think it is, it is, and I, you know, uh, it would, you know, I, th- I'm <laughs> although it's also really for the, the people who didn't sign up but are still may still get covered on this plan. I bet they're sitting pretty right now. Yeah. Um, but this is the part of the immigration debate, which is that there are so many cross-cutting issues that creating that kind of sense of unity is difficult because you have, you especially, on, I'll speaking on the left, you have this really deep divide, and it kind of got papered over a little bit during the Obama years, but it's come out again, which is the relationship of immigration to labor. And given that the labor rights and the labor movement in this country are in in terminal condition and have been for years, there's a lot of ele- there's a lot of elements of of the labor movement that have said, wait a minute, these people coming in are are undercutting our leverage to negotiate. Yeah. You know, um, whereas the other side is saying, no, this is your new franchise. Yeah. These are the people you need to be organizing. Yeah. Um, but of course, it's also difficult to organize them if they're undocumented oh, yeah, and they if don't they lack p- legal, you know, sanction. Yeah. So. And, and on the right, you have the pro-business Republicans who see labor, cheap labor coming in. We need these in. folks. That's why they never right. prosecute the business, right? Right, exactly. And <laughs> Although then, they just did 7-Eleven, but they didn't prosecute 7-Elevens, right? They just went to every 7-Eleven site in the exactly. country. Exactly, yeah. They do, you know, you, you end up basically doing raids. <laughs> but how did they know and it was 7-Eleven that did, was, had all these practices? <laughs> <laughs> because it's 7-Eleven. <laughs> Convenience yeah. stores are kind of this very... I'm kind of fascinated by convenience stores as a not just as a business but as kind of a social phenomenon because in in many places including here in Northampton they're the only business that's open 24 hours so they end up being sort of a de facto way station for people yeah they come in they work for a while and yeah yeah. 
and well, on the work side, but also just their clientele. You know, oh, you yes. get people who can't go anywhere else or who just need to kind of, you know, hang out for and don't have anywhere else to go. I guess just said that, but like, but also they're also passing and through or and, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of in, and especially in areas that are very, you know, a lot less populated than that. that you know, they, they they're, they're really important. So, anyways, that's a bit of a sidebar, but. But yeah, um, that that question about DACA and sort of who who signed up and how they decided to sign up in in the labor the labor crosscut and yeah yeah it's it's um and it is coming to a head in a way I mean to some degree at least it's it's all on the table sort of at the moment I do think we are moving towards something I don't know if it's I suspect it won't be this plan because I saw it in the Senate Chuck Schumer has already come out against it yeah um, I think do you trust Chuck do I trust Chuck Schumer. <laughs> Well, there's an old saying that the most dangerous place in Washington is between uh, Chuck Schumer and a microphone. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> so the man loves uh, sloganeering. And I, to be honest, I, I'm not a huge fan of yet. Why is he so terrible at it? <laughs> well, look, you don't like get terrible at being in front of a mic. Well, and nobody said he was good at it. Yeah, it's I just know, that but he like, likes years it. of practice should have, like... Produce something. He's. Uh, I know some people who have a toe in sort of like Washington circles, and apparently he doesn't have a great reputation, even among like his, his own. colleagues. Don't trust him either. Well, in his under, you know, the underling, the Always staffer, aids. Yes, the staffer yeah. class, are sort of like roll their eyes a little bit because I think there he, he's there. He goes again, kind yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, which makes him a. This is why he's a liability in some cases because it makes him a convenient foil for you I know, think Republicans Trump, to point at and say, look at this guy. Well, Trump, I, my belief is mm. that Trump dragged him down to his office that last day, you know, oh, and yeah. then there was no deal because Trump wanted to have him be the poster child for it. I mean, basically, oh, yeah. he singled him out. around his neck. Yeah, basically hung it around his neck, and he fell for it because he, you know, he he thought he was he was the man, yeah. And and you know that makes you really susceptible if well, you. They you, went. They, they earlier had a weird kind of detente because yeah. remember Schumer went in with a couple other Senate Democrats and, and they got the uh, CR. Yeah, they got the con- right, the, the the continuing the first one or the second one or passed, and that it, it made the Republicans so mad, which yeah. was kind of funny. Yeah, but um, I think because of that, then he they thought, didn't trust Trump. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think because of the, the problem is, I think Schumer, because of that, thought he had pull with yeah. Trump and he didn't realize that he'd been had. He just, <laughs> well, not, I don't know if he'd been had, but he just like, the guy, you know, I think we've said before, but if Trump is the bull in the China shop, he might just smash the thing that's convenient for you. For you for at him the moment. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't mean he's your, he uses he's you your a little ally bit. Yeah. or that yeah. even you can rely on him. So, yeah, I mean, this, talking about, political trust in an environment where the president is so manifestly untrustworthy that even his own party doesn't trust treacherous, him. Treacherous, I think the treacherous. word. Treacherous. <laughs> I think even a lot of his supporters don't trust him. And and in fact... They his, know not to trust him. <laughs> well, Is how maybe. I would put it. I don't, I don't know. But, <laughs> but I think his political capital is derived in part from being an, somebody untrustworthy who you can put in a position where he hurts people you don't like. And that, you know, it's 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 sort of resentment politics. That's kind of Machiavellian of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this is, you know, this, this is the thing. We're talking about how voters make decisions and all the different elements that play into that. And a lot of that is not only your alliance, 
your alliances, but the perceived alliances of your opponents and how you think. Um, Who's on their people. team? Yeah, exactly. And and that can, you know, it's so funny to if you anyone who manages like the a general inbox for a political organization, you just see so much hilariously unhinged chatter that comes from like listservs that somebody got signed up for five years ago that no one ever subscribed from. And it's really, I happen to manage one of these (laughs) as it, as it, as it so stands. As it turns Um, out, huh? (laughs) And it's just amazing what you see on a daily basis. You know, the, the, the reactions to these kinds of announcements and events that you see from people who are just like basically email bloggers and have, you know, send these announcements out and, and how they, they preload the narrative for people and sort of, um, but how it also takes people wildly off base into this almost esoteric, quasi-religious view of like politics and this, this kind of intersection of spirituality and sort of political destiny, especially on the right. On the left, it usually takes more of the form of like <laughs> internecine warfare yeah. between, <laughs> the left is very good at eating themselves and that has always been true. Um, but, um, in that kind of environment, that, it's hard to know. I mean, you can see things, and you look at the email, and you go, oh, mm-hmm. "That person's a little unhinged. I don't trust them." But then you'll bit. get something that is from a friend who is kind of. Mm-hmm. You feel like they're sort of. They missed the point, or they bought something right. that I shouldn't have bought, and you don't know whether to to tell them why you think. That might not mm-hmm. be right because you want to antagonize them. Right, there's a risk. Yeah, to set yeah. to speaking out, you know, contrary to your circle of like friends. Like the CDC versus the uh, National Institutes of Allergy, and you know, the thirty percent versus the ten percent. Right. I mean, if they were at war, <laughs> you know, God help you if you picked one number over the other. Yeah, yeah. And and right. your, your friends in public health would be all over you, and you know, and it's they're not at war, and it's it was really just. Uh, an example but you know that's not true with a lot of these issues i mean these issues are really intense for people yeah it's um that and and that part of what i find is that once people start down a narrative path they also the further down they go the 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 more there's you know like they the sunk fast in it right invest. but it's you know like the sunk cost fallacy oh, the yeah. idea that i've got i've come this far i might I as well go all the way i spent all this money on my fiat keeping it right. running i shouldn't sell it now i had a fiat and yeah. it was a nightmare <laughs> fix it again tony but i'd i'd fix it and i'd put in a new starter and a new blah 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 and then i wouldn't want to sell it because i just put so much money in it and it's like yeah. the only time it was sellable when i had just made a repair right you know because right. that's the only time it was running so <laughs> i love the car it was the most fun to drive it was a 128 it was really fun but yeah it was hard i i I get sunk costs. I'm totally susceptible oh, yeah, to I that. I think we all do. It's a very, it's very easy to... I just to put a new roof on my house. I guess I'll keep it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I, so the, I, just to circle back to the, immigration, the Trump immigration plan. Oh, yes. It, yeah. it, it kind of, there's a, there's a bit of a carrot out to the kind of, I guess, uh, pro-naturalization side, which is... Uh, yeah, so it paves way to citizenship not only for the uh, seven about seven hundred thousand DACA people, but for another uh, little over a million undocumented immigrants who didn't who sign would have qualified, never applied. Um, but 
the, I think it also put something like 25, what was it? Was it 25 billion dollars? Billion dollars? 25. 25 the, billion. Yeah, they wanted yeah, 33. For the wall. Yeah, so that's it's actually, <laughs> they actually brought it down. And, and originally they said 10, so. <laughs> yeah. And it's and in a trust. They want to put in a trust so that it's actually, um, I don't know if you heard this sentence. You remember when Trump and um, Schumer were, quote, negotiating in secret? And tr- Trump came out and said, uh, Schumer came out and said they didn't quite have a deal. But he had told, Schumer had told Trump allegedly that they had, um, I can't think of the word, authorized the mm. wall, the full amount. But he didn't say they had appropriated. Oh, and Trump wouldn't, right. didn't know the difference, which is why he came out two hours later because they agreed. Right. And then he found out that he'd been snookered. Yes, right. It's with not- language. <laughs> It's not over till the money changes hands. Yeah, yeah. and actually, you know, um, Schumer probably couldn't appropriate it because it has to be appropriated through Congress. Right, yeah, yeah. But even a commitment of authorization is different than an authorization of appropriation. Yeah. And, you know, that that really undermines the trust. If that's a true story, which I don't know if it's yeah. true or not. I mean, that's the story I heard. Can I, uh, just to, I know I'm talking a lot about my own myself, but <laughs> since I'm, you know, I've, I've repeat listeners to the show will know that I work on net neutrality as part of my my working life and one thing that we're dealing with right now is the statements that come out from (gasps) members of the House and Senate when their constituents ask them to come out in support of a pro net neutrality measure right now there's a CRA measure Congressional Review Act measure making its way through Congress. I remember you told us about that last week. Yep. That could reverse the FCC's decision to drop the Title II rules in December but what we're seeing is that so many of the uh, kind of moderate, the Karen Handels, the, the moderate, more competitive district Republicans, and like some Democrats are putting these very disingenuous press releases out that- Disingenuous. That, <laughs> yeah, they use the words net neutrality in a positive way, but then the body of it is a dodge from the actual genuine article. So if you really read it, it dis- it's really dissonant. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, if you really they read know it. That, <laughs> they know that net neutrality is the principle and the name of it is incredibly popular, but the actual implementation of it and the specific rules are something that, are, that's what's really being negotiated and that's what they're kind of, they're giving their constituents the workaround because the, your average constituent do, isn't going to necessarily be versed in you know, the difference between the Title II regulations and the lack thereof. Um, they know, but they know what net neutrality in principle stands for, and they know that's what they want. But if your congressperson is saying, oh, I like this too, he, you know, we should do this together, but at the same time they're not following the program in terms of actually restoring it, there's another, you know, and then we have to figure out how to explained their people's constituents to to the constituents that their congress people are not being forthright yeah because then they'll say hey my yeah representative xyz says she's in favor of net neutrality Why that's are you good having enough me for go me after her yeah say, well it's a little more complicated than that yeah. you know and that and you're trying to show that it's it's contrary contradicting oh my yeah and right. and it and it um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing because you, that is that is like the problem of this decade. Right. I think is to to be able to explain and to try and show someone why and when it's so it's so hostile or it's so 
complicated or, right. or people are so smooth with their words. You had some interesting things you read from... Yeah, this is a more an international example right. of sort of the, the dissonance and why you don't trust people. And yeah, <laughs> I thought we only have a couple minutes to go, but I, th- I wanted to see if... I wanted you to read those out and parse the differences. Okay, so could. this is, you know, me, C-SPAN, Dance Party. That's all I ever right. watched. Um, these, were, um, these were two different news reports, which happened this week. And uh, Save the Children... Um, Office location was bombed in Afghanistan mm-hmm. this past week. That's the headline. That's the headline. That happened. Okay. People know that it happened. Um, two were killed, 20 were hurt. So that was the first news mm-hmm. broadcast. Um, the second news broadcast, and I think actually the first one was like on a regular news channel. Mm-hmm. The second one was C-SPAN. And they basically said, um, same headline, Save the Children was bombed. It, Location was bombed in Afghanistan last week. Two were killed, 20 were hurt. Uh, Save the Children closed that office last year. So that's a very different story because it was bombed. Two were killed, 20 were hurt. Mm -hmm. But Save the Children had closed that office. There There weren't staffers there. And then there was a third newscast, which made me think the second one was correct, where they said sort of the same thing. And then they said 20 soldiers were hurt. Uh, 20 security guards were hurt and two, two members of the um, Save the Children uh, administration or somebody that okay. was still manning the office were right. killed. So every one of those statements made me feel differently. <laughs> right. The yeah. first one, I was horrified that Save the Children had been bombed, like bombing a hospital. The second one where they clarified that, yes, the location was bombed, but they had closed the office for security reasons a year right. ago. And, and then the third one, who was actually hurt, 20 soldiers who were guarding it, okay, and the two administrative staff. So each one of those, they were all true. Yeah. (laughs) On the face. They all have different valences. Yeah, and and why they included it or why they didn't include the fact the office was closed. That's really interesting. Yeah, and it was just, you know, it was just another one of those, oh, let me go see what really happened. Yeah. That's great. I, I think that's a good closing note for our program, and I've really enjoyed this and I think this is something we should come or the show should come back to in future years um, I just want to before we end up I just wanted to say uh, Kate Lorenz um, on uh, the vinyl countdown that is uh, Wednesdays at 6 she is having a, a her first album release tomorrow oh nice uh, it's oh, on the 27th that right that's um, uh, on Signature Sounds if you go to Signature Sounds uh, Signature Sounds Presents dot com it's Kate Lorenz and the Constellations I just want to put that in because she's a great programmer and a great musician so and uh, isn't there an opening or something this weekend yes um, at, on the, the, at 7pm so if you go to that website you'll be able to figure out where, where it, is. it is and everything yeah it's local right though here yeah it is in Northampton so right. uh Sorry, just want to put that in. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> One of our great programmers. Go DJ yeah, Kate. She's, she's awesome. She leads into my show, so oh, I'm, sweet. I'm thrilled to hear about it. Uh, but we do have to wrap up. We have Subculture with DJ Wendy coming up here and uh, at 8 and uh, Table of Contents with DJ Mark coming up at 10. So please stay tuned for some great music through the night. Thanks for joining us in Civil Politics. We'll be back next week, 7 p.m. on Fridays. Good night. This show is part of the Planetside Productions Network. For more information, please visit www.planetside.pro. And thank you for listening.